The Flash didn't even give us a chance to miss the meeting. 6.15, he was at our door, offering us a quick carryover. But if we had to go, we'd at least go by car. With a temporary lull in the underworld, eight of them were spending their time with old war stories, each trying to top the others. Tonight, the subject was the old investigation of Mr. X. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. I, I miss the, the World's Fair issues. A lot. Like, oh man. So, I actually did enjoy the second issue in here, but man, that first one just... Oh boy. Yeah. Alright, well... Can we just... There's some stuff in there that's good. Can, we, can we work mediocrity into the title of this episode? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, it's us again. Uh, just so that you know, there's been a recent development. Don't know if you noticed it, but we have started Twitch streaming, and it's fun. Uh, we're doing the Injustice game right now. We're going through all the battle modes and getting everybody's uh, endings. So if you wish to join us on Twitch, just look for DC Detectives Podcast on Twitch. You'll find our channel. Give it a subscribe or a follow. And uh, I try to stream every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, usually for just about an hour, so it's not like a long thing, so you don't have to be like, oh, I gotta block out, like, you know, two hours, because, let's be real, nobody wants to watch me suck at video games for that long. I, th- um, I thought Injustice was kind of your jam. Not when I'm playing, like, Raven, uh, or, like, some of the characters, like, I never played for yeah. very specific reasons, uh, <laughs> just because they're just not my play styles. Like, yeah, the Aquaman episode is just me, like, ripping through people, and I'm like, well, this is not entertaining. Um, but we've been having some good uh, viewers come on and talk about the new Injustice game, talking about DC games in general. My next game that I'm going to play on there, depending on how, depending on when I finish the Injustice 1 game, um, if I do finish it and then Injustice 2 comes out, I'm just going to start streaming Injustice 2. Um, if Injustice 2 isn't out when uh, I finish what I'm doing with Injustice 1, I'm going to start the telltale batman series Ooh, nice. that i haven't finished yet so i'm just going to start over from scratch and uh we're going to do that kind of like an episode a night sort of a thing uh so those episodes may be a little bit longer because those game because the pieces of those stories are a little bit longer maybe an hour two hours something like that they really don't have like chapters within each episode do they kind of but like um they're they're not standardized length chapters. Mm. It's like, you know, one will just be conversational. That's right, because they have the achievements that trigger, like, five per episode. Right. So if you've never seen that. a Telltale game uh, from the Telltale Game series company, uh, it's really awesome, and I'm looking forward to doing that with you. Um, yeah, so we have that. Of course, we have the Instagram, the Twitter, and the Facebook. Please uh, like, follow, subscribe, do all those things, purely because the more you see and the more we are seen, the more we get in front of other people. And uh, the more fans we have, more gumshoes we collect, and that's always nice. <laughs> that's right. That was what we decided. Yeah, we've to tell we've people. we've just stuck with it because uh, again, Detective Ice just hasn't gone over well. Um, yeah. Oh boy, All Star Comics again. We're we're finishing off with the JSA for now. Um, now that we've kind of got a good sense of what the JSA is like, this is what a team book was like back in the era. I might continue to get these just to see if there's anything interesting occurring in them. Uh, we may not, we won't cover them continuously, but I might look into more of these just to see kind of like what these books are like and how interesting that gets over, it, over time. You can't tell, but Hallelujah is playing in my head. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know that, that or Ooh, Ode to Joy actually works Ode to a Joy, bit probably. Better. Probably a little bit more Ode to Joy, but we're, mm. we're going to stop covering uh, 
the JSA after this episode, uh, depending on when Wonder Woman gets in there. I kind of want to mm-hmm. see Wonder Woman in it. Um, uh, I want to. I think she actually comes in pretty quickly, and but it's not until issue thirty nine that she's at anything but the secretary. I remember right. reading that. So we're gonna see what's going on. I want to kind of keep getting these, or at least find or pinpoint the exact volume that we need to see Wonder Woman be a part of the JSA. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of a thing. It's part of me wants to get all of these and have like a cool collection, and the other part of me is like money, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize this. This one's tagged as fifty bucks, and that wasn't when, wasn't when we got it. It was like thirty. Yeah, the price I, has gone up because we got this one. I'm sure because there's less and less of them. <laughs> it's not well, like I, I a, meant. I was actually checking the uh, back of the book price. Oh, the back of the book price. Yeah, like the the price for, for some of these has gone down considerably. Yeah. But unlike unless you're the Spectre comic, I'm looking at you, a hundred and nineteen dollar comic oh book. My God, of which there are twelve. Like I don't. Anyway, frustrations abound. Um frustrations abound yeah. i almost can't wait yeah, right. we're uh we're gonna start with our summary uh yeah joanne this is gonna be a short one hopefully we're gonna talk <laughs> about a couple of things post this because there's a few things that kind of are themes that i like looking into mm-hmm. um but we're just gonna start right off the bat here with all-star comics volume one number five june 1941 readers digest the team fights mr x is who is a man who organizes crime syndicates across multiple rackets and across multiple states oh god we have to talk about mr x don't we we do uh mr x is actually just a very wiry looking man kind of like wimpy from popeye except thin and yeah. uh yeah right <laughs> uh except thin and dressed better than wimpy because wimpy is poor and broke and that's the whole point of wimpy i don't if you don't know who wimpy is I can't help you. I can't go into Popeye lore right now. I would now. gladly pay you Tuesday for a for hamburger, a hamburger today. today. Right. I mean, there's a Robot Chicken episode about Wimpy yeah. if you really want to see it. But bottom line, this guy wears a bowler hat. He's got a little uh, push broom mustache, glasses, you know, suit and tie. And he's Mr. X. But this character pops up in everybody's story randomly in weird situations. Like in the Flash's story, he's under the Flash's bed. Don't know why. Don't know how that happened. Don't know how he got in the Flash's room. And what being under his bed provides him with a a view of. I was really expecting an explanation. Nope, never. Never got that. (laughs) Um, So the thing is, is that the crime syndicates across the United States, specifically the ones in New York, but then they're also kind of like around the states, um, target the Justice Society members um, due to Mr. X's plan, which is get rid of the Justice Society so we can continue to do our crime, you know, unfettered. And in doing so, every Justice Society member has their own little 10-page story of them, you know, rounding up a racket and sending them all to jail, all of which happens in the same night so that the jail has to expand itself to accommodate all the criminals that the JSA brings in, which I found hilarious. And it was an entertaining little gag, especially because they yeah. didn't that wasn't one of the gags that they ran into the ground. It was just like once every story just yeah. well, uh, more <laughs> people are coming to jail. Okay, okay. And the cops are getting more and more frazzled at the fact that they're just getting a huge amount of people put in jail. Uh, so it's just, it's really silly. Um, Mr. X again shows up in everybody's story and to the point where they don't know who he is, but then one guy's like, Hey, isn't that that guy that I saw today? And they're like, you saw him too? And then they follow him and Mr. X turns himself in. He turns himself in at the end of the story going, you know, crime just ain't what it used to be with you guys out here. So I'm done. It really is just a, it's built up. It's the framing device of this entire story. And the payoff is... A guy who doesn't care anymore, 
whose identity is revealed nonchalantly and is resolved within a page. Right. And it's it's almost as if just this plan was his last way of testing whether or not he'd be able to do his preferred method of income gathering. I, I'm not even going to give Gardner Fox the credit for mm-hmm. any kind of plan. It's just bad writing. Yeah, it's, it's just dumb. It's a dumb story. Uh, Green Lantern kills one person. Spectre kills yeah. two. Um, which was just, all right, cool. Like, that was unnecessary. However, the biggest thing that happens in this volume is it's the first appearance of Hawkgirl. I know, and I'm angry. Oh, I am too, but it's something we should talk about. <laughs> we, we absolutely should. We're going to talk oh, that's about right. that. that wasn't the first. Yeah, we're going to talk about that at the end, because I want to, like, really go into that whole thing. But mm-hmm. this is the first appearance of Hawkgirl when Shaira is helping Carter be a decoy in his story, and he has a spare set of wings and a hat and everything and just gives it to her to be his decoy for a while we'll go more into that all-star comics volume one number six this is the second story we're going to august 1941 this one's really kind of funny in a weird way but like unexpectedly so at this point the flash we kind of talk about this in the flash episodes if you want to go back and look at i want to say the second flash episode we do there's a mention of flash like kind of graduating out of the jsa Mm -hmm. And, oh, that's right, yeah. That did uh, we, did, somewhere in there. we did not know what the hell that was about, and we didn't realize it was in the fourth JSA story. Like, within those series of months, The Flash just is so popular, he gets his own, you know, books and is done. So, um, Flash is leaving the JSA to be a part-time member, and Johnny Thunder demands to be made a full-time member of the JSA, and not just the hanger-on, gosh, gee, Willikers boy. Um, he wants to be their, you know, made young man, gentleman friend, and not just their, you know, associate young man, gentleman friend to use a bunch of mob terms. Because I've been watching a lot of mob stuff. I'm not going to lie. I initially heard that as AID. Yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, it, t- it took me a minute to took put a minute the pieces there. together. Right. Uh, so Johnny Thunder, you know, demands this trial by fire and they're all like, yeah, sure, Johnny, of course you can have your, you know, your tryout. And just cause they're all dicks, they decide to send Johnny on what is essentially a wild goose chase to tackle this guy who is essentially a man who prints his own newspaper articles about himself that make him sound like a big criminal. I'm just going to pause right there for a second. One, um, what? Who? What circulation does he have that they have that, that like multiple people know about this? That every JSA member is aware that this guy essentially just prints his own news about himself, and that they had copies of it to give to Johnny Thunder to be like, "Look, this is the guy that you're gonna that you're gonna go after." You know, are you sure? And Johnny Thunder's like, "Yeah, okay," and like leaves. And I'm like, "Has this been a problem? Has no one addressed that this man is printing fake news and that like literally?" is fabricating stories to make himself look good? Is is he just known as, like, the village weird dude? So I'm going to guess that he's got, like, one of those little tiny print things that you would put, like, over an article that is actually sponsored, but you don't want to say it's sponsored. So you do that tiny print mm. uh, sponsored thing, uh, tiny print satire newspaper uh, for legal purposes. And I bet he's independently wealthy, so... He has a bunch of homeless people uh, distribute it. Just that classic, like, hey, five cents for a newspaper. He might even tell them to just give it away for free. I mean, he could do that to the the, the Newsy boys as well, as long as he pays them. Like, yeah. here's, yeah. here's you know, ten cents. Just hand out all 30 of these things that I got. And one kid's like, sure, mister. <laughs> What's the line from, uh, I, I think it's a John Cleese movie, uh, 
and, and they're all looking for a treasure. I'm eccentric. I can do whatever I want. Something along <laughs> those lines. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah, he's pretty. He, this is and just he's a, got a shitty last name too. It's a weird. It's a weird character. And <laughs> Killer McPansy. Killer McPansy. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it, it's played up for laughs, and it, that's the thing. I think it works because Johnny Thunder is just the character who weird things happen around, and it's just gags aplenty. Right. So essentially, Johnny Thunder goes to Killer McPansy's house, and <laughs> it's I, never not funny. I said it with a straight face too. You did. You did. I had to call attention to it. Right. Uh, so he he goes to Killer McPansy's house and essentially tries to bring him in. But the problem is, is that other gangsters have seen these articles and are as dumb as Johnny Thunder. So they've just decided, well, we have to get rid of this other you know criminal mastermind because he's going to horn in on our business. And they go there and they find out that Killer McPansy is a fraud. And they're like, perfect. What you're going to do is you're going to basically take credit for all the crimes that we do. Or we'll kill you. And I was like, how has that not happened to you before? Like, how is this the first time that a criminal is just like, maybe we should, like, check in with this Killer McPansy guy and make sure we're not, like, horning in on his turf or anything like that. And then they find out he's just some recluse who has a printing press for what whatever reason. So, Johnny Thunder, of course, gets involved with all these guys, uh... And it essentially becomes a story where Johnny Thunder gets into one harrowing situation or another and uses his Thunderbolt to get one of the JSA members to come to his rescue. And of course, as the JSA member goes to his rescue, they get sidetracked by a real thing or real person who needs their help. And effectively, just leave Johnny Thunder to do something. Or they're like, ah, he'll be okay. Or like, well, I guess I can't find him anymore. Johnny's on his own, but I gotta help these people over here. And I... It's so weird that they just don't care about him. Like, most of them are actually semi-understandable. It's just like, okay, I got the initial, like, immediate danger figured out. Now there's someone else who's in a little bit more danger. But, like, half of them are just like, you didn't give a shit. Yeah, like the Atom or uh, Our Man. But, like, the two that I, I kind of wrote off as, like, yeah, that's, I get that, it is, like, Dr. Fate and Hawkman because Inza and Shaira are both in danger in their mm-hmm. stories. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to be blinded by their sidekick to save, you know, them instead of saving Johnny Thunder. Because Johnny has a superpower, for lack of a better term. I mean, he is cursed with the Thunderbolt, but... He can do anything with the Thunderbolt. I mean, the Thunderbolt shoves an ocean liner onto land at Johnny's request at the end of the story. I actually think of him as the Franklin Richards of these stories. He's cosmically powerful. Yeah. And uh, it just so happens that he doesn't really understand it. His his power is deus ex machina. Yes. I mean, like, he just has the... He's a walking anomaly. Uh, Shannon referred to him as Archie. Yeah. Um, yeah, just shit just happens to go his way when he wants it to, or like he has he has protagonist powers, mm-hmm. but ridiculous, weird, nebulous protagonist powers as opposed to just like, of course I know how to read ancient Egyptian. It's like, no, I'm gonna make that plane catch me. What? <laughs> like it's just the bizarro stuff. One thing that's worth pointing out is that in this uh, particular issue, I think these two issues, he's actually more conscious of the Thunderbolt. Like, it's not just things going his right way. He knows that sometimes he calls the Thunderbolt. He doesn't know how, but he knows that once he does, he can wish for anything. And sometimes he remembers to wish for things. Sometimes he does them unintentionally. Sometimes he just completely forgets that he has the ability to get himself out of any jam. But 
it's much more intentional now. Right. Mostly. Right. And that's all predicated by the fact that he doesn't know that his trigger word is say you. Mm-hmm. Or his trigger phrase. And yeah. so... That, that's the key thing, I think, that still keeps it goofy. Like, right. he knows it exists, but he doesn't know the phrase, and I think it works. Yeah, he knows something is happening so that his Thunderbolt does stuff. So, like you were saying, mm-hmm. like he becomes aware. He's like, oh, this must be my Thunderbolt. Well, I guess I can do stuff now. And, like, mm-hmm. starts trying to do things. And then when the hour is up, he tries to do a thing. And he's like, oh, shit, it doesn't work anymore. And Great pratfalls. Right. And I'm just... I am... I know it's just because it's writing, but I'm sitting there going, like, that's a dumb phrase to not have him realize that, like, that's what's happening. Because it's a it's a phrase he uses constantly, because that's his speech, you know, mm-hmm. type. As he says, like, say, you over there, or, like, uh, say, you don't happen to have the time. You know, that's, that's common parlance of the 1930s and 40s, using the word say to start a mm-hmm. sentence. And... It just baffles me that that was the phrase they chose to be his, like, magic word. Like, at least Captain Marvel has Shazam. A word that, one, doesn't exist, and two, you would... How are you going to work that into a sentence? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing, is... The magic word trope is weird when the when it's a... F- it's supposed to be a word in a different language that sounds like two words that he commonly uses in everyday life. I think, on the one hand, it... It stretches credibility a lot. Like, absolutely, he's going to say, say you more often than he actually triggers it. However, I, I think you got to do something like it for the comedic value. Yeah, I it, guess. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't see it working with, like, a completely fantastical uh, phrase. Right. Also, the Thunderbolt is personified much more now. Yeah, like, it has part, a body. Partly because now we're actually seeing comics of him rather than uh, the stories that we pretty much all we saw earlier right and the yeah the thunderbolt has a body and like a physicality and also kind of speaks occasionally which is weird too like we'll you'll notice that later um it certainly emotes right there's also uh you know in between these stories you have uh of course those little short stories of johnny thunder but in the second volume you have one of dr midnight which is kind of cool that's right yeah Uh, he's a jsa character from you know back of the day and i was like oh that's kind of neat like he clearly has his own stories going because they talk about him as if he's like you know got a sidekick and everybody knows what's going on with him so that's just interesting that dr midnight has already appeared and is kind of doing his own thing um end end of the story johnny thunder of course gets inducted into the jsa everyone's really proud of him and then they're like um we're sorry we were dicks about that because like it turned into a whole day's worth of like shit that you had to deal with like we're kind of assholes about that and I was like, yeah, you kind of are. That was messed up. Like, that was literally the worst idea you guys have ever had. And it makes me mad about you people. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that bugs me most about it was that they all thought exactly the same thing, exactly the same emotion about it. It was just like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. It, there was no differentiation by character, which to me just says, by the way... Gardner Fox keeps writing characters to the situation instead of writing characters, so frustration. Instead of, like, what would have been really interesting is seeing Dr. Fate be like, I don't understand why this is funny. Oh, man, can you imagine Fate as the straight man just in every interaction? Just pretend Dr. It would have worked. Yeah, just pretend Dr. Fate is Data from Star Trek. Yeah. Give him a cat. Yeah. Like, he's got Enzo. Uh, She's she's pretty pretty much just an animal, like, that has no like, real sort of motivation or speaking. Like, all she is there is a plot device. I mean, his cat could be getting into things just as well as Inza could be. Data's cat is as much of a plot device as Inza is. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. Like, it, it, she yeah, doesn't no, have... No, I don't as, disagree. She doesn't have... Especially as, in this issue. Yeah, she has nowhere near as much characterization as uh, Irene or, mm-hmm. you know, Diane or any of the, you know, any of the other sidekick women 
who actually do things. Even Shaira is more of a character than Inza. Like, Shaira yeah. has, like, drive and sass and, like, motivation to do stuff. And Inza is just a person. Like, we don't even know Inza's deal. What does Inza mm-hmm. do? Inza's just a thing that, like, happens to go to high society falutin parties with, you know, uh, Kent Nelson versus, like, Shaira is, you know, a rich person but, like, goes to things. Or, you know, Diane... Uh, is a thief, you know, and you've got uh, Green Lantern's girlfriend is works at the the radio station with him. So it's like there's there's, there's no sense of place to Inza. Yeah, she just exists, and it's kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of done with the, the the summary at this point. So we're going to go back to a couple things right here. Um, first of which is, of course, the first appearance of Hawk Girl. Um, mm-hmm. I, di- I talked about this on the Twitch stream. I don't understand why she's not Hawk Woman. I don't get it. Shire is a woman. Shire is very clearly a woman and not a girl. Uh, versus, you know, Batgirl, who is supposed to be a teenager. Don't understand it. So I think there are two reasons to it. The first is, yeah, the patriarchal uh, diminutive. Yeah. Uh, The second is, it actually does flow a little better. Like, man is a single syllable, girl is not quite a single syllable, but it feels more like a single syllable than woman. Right. Hot girl. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get that doesn't seem to be a problem with Wonder Woman, though, which is kind of my deal, where it's like, Wonder Woman sells better. They don't call her Wonder Girl. So for that, um, well, now I'm thinking through in my head, because it's certainly always written as Wonder Woman. Uh, You know what it is? It's the alliteration. I don't know. Um, I think that that is an instance where when you're saying it, you want the both uh accentuations there i guess i don't know it just it bothers me that that we still do that and it's mm-hmm. oh it, I, I agree it doesn't make any sense for me like i i've always i'm just tired of seeing grown women superhero characters referred to as girl i'll agree with that there's a lot of gender politics in there i don't know so just something i i noticed when we we're bringing that up because this is the first instance of this character and i felt it was interesting that we kind of bring that topic up and it yeah. especially sucks that her entire like purpose of putting on the Hawkman garb is so that she can be a decoy, and ac- she accomplishes exactly nothing except getting shot. Right, she gets it's hurt. The worst. And I just I love the fact that Carter Hall makes a set of wings that are both one size fits all. He makes another Hawkman two faced monstrosity helmet, <laughs> and that's one size fits all. And then she just kind of like makeshifts an outfit for herself because the Hawkman outfit has no top. Yeah. And so she has to wear one. And I was just laughing. I was like, your entire purpose is just to be a distraction. And that's your origin story. Yeah. In this version, at least. So, so I cho- I'm assuming that what we're going to see going forward is this was a thing that they did just like, oh, this is a cool plot moment. And then, or plot device might be the better way of putting mm-hmm. it. And then... Later on, someone's going to be like, well, what if we put her in the costume more frequently? What if, what if she actually was, like, uh, a true sidekick? Uh, right. My guess is that this was not ever intended to be the launching of Hot Girl, but rather something that people are going to retroactively look back and be like, oh, we could do that, couldn't we? Yeah, that would be, that, that's probably a good idea. We should do that. Um, also, with the first story of, you know, Mr. X and them being targeted and they're like their weird lives or just being targeting the sidekicks and things like that that brings to mind a very 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 good storyline that everybody should ever read uh, always with comics which is the justice storyline where the legion of doom 
makes a plan to assault all of the Justice League members after finding out their secret identities. And the Riddler, uh, it's a Alex Ross book. It's the it's a very you'll it's a very famous series. It's three books. You'll recognize the covers are those really big Alex Ross shots of all the JSA or all the JLA, and then like all the villains, and then all the JLA in these weird like mech suits. It's a it's a really cool, <laughs> what it's a really great series because like the suits they make at the end are for like the the big fight at the end and some of the suits are made out of the metal men uh, from uh, yeah it's really awesome <laughs> it's so cool um, and this is one of my favorite storylines in all of DC and it really gets to the heart of a lot of these characters like Aquaman's son is kidnapped um, Superman has like a virus put inside of him that like burns his his like blood. Um, God, there's so many, so many cool things. Oh no, no, Superman is um, pinned down by Metallo, Bizarro, Solomon Grundy, and Parasite. And I was like, that is actually a All really right, yeah, good team yeah. to fight him. Um, Batman's identity is compromised. Um, the Flash is uh, input with a uh, like a metabolizing. Uh, disease that like burns his body up but he has to keep running otherwise like if he doesn't like it'll like so he's waste him away it's yeah essentially <laughs> that's awesome um it's really cool like and they end up having to call in a bunch of like b-list um JSA, uh, jla members like captain marvel has to show up uh plastic man and the elongated man have to show up uh it's really it's, it's plastic man I it's read so good stuff. it's so good you really have to read it and it's alex ross so it's really awesome i mean like the green lantern plan that they have is to basically launch him into unknown space and he can't find his way back because the ring has no idea where he is so he essentially like goes crazy because he's stuck by himself in space living inside of his ring like he actually what? puts himself because the ring is like you're running out of power of life support however if you put yourself inside of the ring i can sustain you indefinitely so he actually has the ring materialize him inside of his ring and like makes this whole like world of like coast city and like all the people he left and like starts to go crazy cuz he's like in his own imagination. It's really intense. Like, there's so much going on. Um, I have to find that and, like, give that to you. It's such a good read. Uh, but that's, you know, kind of reminiscent of this storyline of, like, you know, being targeted and having their sidekicks attacked and stuff like that. So it's very good. You should all read the, the comic series Justice. Uh, that's it for me, I think. Uh, I don't know what your notes are. I've got notes. Oh, let's talk briefly just something dumb that uh, got my attention. Mm -hmm. So, that bit in the first issue where where Flash telegraphs everyone about, Hey, Mr. X is targeting us. He's the Flash. Why did he telegraph them instead of running over and telling them? And especially, oh, I have seen that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I just pulled up the cover of, of Justice for Matt. Like... This is a great comic. I always get that mixed up with uh, Kingdom Come because of right. the cover design. Right. Um, now it, it seems like that was a phase that DC went through for those kind of... Uh, probably Marvel as well. Uh, mm. But yeah, you'll, you'll definitely recognize the uh, cover designs. Um, but yeah, especially because Flash sends the telegrams to their civilian identities. Like, straight up. Like, is it... Uh, Adam who's walking around in his civilian guise yeah. and gets handed a telegraph that says by the way you're part of the JSA and uh, be prepared yeah I was like yeah way to 
Way to go, and no one knows how to keep secret identities. It's no one understands. No one understands. It's dumb. I'm, I'm the Flash. Everything's fine. Don't worry. You're a dick, Flash. Pretty much. I don't think these can all possibly have the same writer. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that, too. I don't know if Gardner Fox is responsible for organizing the stories. Like, or, like okay, here's the main plot line. You guys all have to find something that fits in with the main plot line. Uh, because clearly the art is also not the same, too. Yeah, the art is certainly switching between. But there's got to be at least on the super tactical, like, writing the dialogue, uh, writing the actual scripts. It's got to be different people. The jokes are absolute crap in yeah. the third issue. And then in the fourth one, it's like, okay, this actually works. Uh, Johnny Thunder is awesome. Uh, and I think, like, shifting gears a little bit, uh, yeah. having him in the stories as the framing device for that fourth issue like the t- it just changes everything about the tone uh the situations get more ludicrous and i think that winds up really working with these characters i mentioned the uh franklin richards uh comparison earlier uh, i think he really does like his presence people writing around him even with other characters wind up warping reality to be more cartoonish and less uh, superhero patriarch. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, similarly, I did notice a pattern of which issues are shitty and which ones aren't so far. Okay. Anyone, any of them where they have uh, the villains being locked into a single villain type? Mm-hmm. Second issue with Nazis, third issue with villain with uh, uh, criminals. Right. It's like, okay, you, because I think what they're doing is they're partly writing these heroes to the villains. Mm. So in the second issue, everyone... Well, the Nazis were anti-American, and they were criminal, and they were kind of scuzzy in that way. So as a result, the heroes had to be the exact, exact inverse, which is squeaky, uber-clean American patriots. And their characterizations absolutely suffered as a result. I don't yeah. want to see the specter or dr fate saying america hi oh silver yeah away. god bless america it's, it's weird just, no no it doesn't work for you i'm sorry and then in the third one we we do have like cartoony kind of criminals in both the third and the fourth issues but in the fourth one you have johnny thunder in the mix right. which means that you don't because he's not like the super serious uh white bread americana apple pie guy I mean, he kind of is, but he's also the the one who pratfalls. You have permission for the other heroes to be that way. Right. You have opened the door to yeah, let's be cartoony. Uh, so, long long story short, like as much as I wish that these characters weren't written around the people around them or the situations that the writer's trying to put them into, if they're gonna do that, at least have Johnny Thunder in there so it's a good direction for the. For their characters to get completely hijacked into. Yeah, I agree. Also, I really want the Marx Brothers version of all the stuff in the fourth issue. Because they that's the thing. You look at the way like the things happen. It's like, these are great gags. Like, Johnny Thunder, like, okay, I'm doing Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt stuff. Alright, time's elapsed. I'm going to do this last bit of Thunderbolt stuff. And it doesn't work. There's no comedic pause panel. <laughs> There's no, like, beat. Ah, shit. Yeah. There's none of that. I want the Marx Brothers version of this. Which there was a couple of comedic pauses, I thought. No, I'm thinking of something else. No, but yeah, like, there is no... 
There's no punch. Yeah, exa- that's exactly it. It's just like I can see how the I can see the film of this in my head, and it's so much better. But you've given me like the core nugget. The last bit of Johnny Thunder that I have, I'm just going to put this crossover in your mind. Johnny Thunder, Squirrel Girl, and Soka from Atla. Hmm. But seriously, Johnny Thunder, Squirrel Girl, and Soka. I would read the fuck out of it. Yeah. Like, I would. Like, I'd read the fuck out of a Johnny Thunder and, and Squirrel Girl crossover, because I think Squirrel Girl has the joy of what comics are in it. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Thunder is, if written and taken seriously, probably really funny... Um, really funny straight man humor Yeah, that the reader can go like, what the hell am I looking at? You know, like as opposed to oh, comics jokes, you know, it's like, no, you're going to, it's like Chevy Chase humor, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, oh, look at the time. And he doesn't have a watch on his wrist, but like, he's just trying to get out of there. Like that's Johnny Thunder humor versus squirrel girl humor is uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. You know? Ooh. Yeah. It's just having fun with it and being mm-hmm. silly and like making jokes and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's awesome and I love that. And I love everything about it because it's not it's not going back to the same drawer over and over again. It's just going to different ones and finding a different joke, but the joke is always the same. The joke is mm-hmm. like, let's have fun being a superhero. And Johnny Thunder is like, I have no idea what I'm doing and everything is awful all the time and why am I cursed and no one can explain this to me and what is a thunderbolt and why does this keep happening? <laughs> it's like, that's Johnny Thunder. He's just like the saddest, most frustrated individual in the world because he wants to be a superhero but doesn't realize that he has a code word that makes him one. I super want to see like a modern day version of Johnny Thunder just to have someone like comment, wait, you talk like an old guy. Will you shut up? Like, he just doesn't know, like, how to respond to it. Because Johnny Thunder is also, like, what? I want to say just out of high school. Like, 20, somewhere right Maybe. I, I, I picture him a little younger. Mainly because Al Pratt is supposed to, like, refers to him in a young way. Al Pratt is the Adam, and, and the Adam is a college student. Oh, yeah. and, and he refers to him as a younger, in a, in a younger mm-hmm. way. So I kind of feel like Al is maybe, like, 20, 21. And Johnny Thunder's like 17, 18. I wonder. We talked a little bit about uh, writing inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to call out a couple bits. Uh, powers are inconsistent. This one killed me. Like Power uh, levels are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> First off, Sandman is suddenly using his wire harpoon at all times and never his gas gun. Uh, the hell? Yeah, that's right. I it's... forgot about the wire poon. I was going to go to great lengths to avoid saying that. No, man. Wirepoon. That's what... That's literally... That's literally how they read it. The Wirepoon. Yep. Yeah. Someone please gift that. Which doesn't make any sense because you don't... The end of a harpoon is not a heart. <laughs> like, that's not what that is. Like, that's how they're using the word and that's incorrect. It's We don't mash two words together to make harpoon. It would be spear poon, like or grapple poon, if that's what it was. But it's a, it's not a har attached to the end of a poon. I don't get it. <laughs> Did you not realize that until I said that? <sighs> For the love of God, please, no one transcript this episode. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, like it doesn't make any sense why you would. Well, like... I, I, I agree. Like the naming, the, like I understand it as a portmanteau of. Harpoon and wire, <laughs> but it, if you assume that the two 
syllables that make up the the word harpoon are two separate things that are conjoined, then it's that's different than if it is a single word that is portmanteaued with uh, wire. Because it's so one way or another, it's bad and it's, it's weird. Dumb, like it's, it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, and uh, especially like then you get into the artistic inconsistency because there's a shot where Sandman is looking out at a house that he's going to break into, and it's a good, like, a thousand yards away. Yeah. It looks like that. Almost, yeah, yeah. And he fires the wire harpoon, and it hits right above that uh, building. Like, it's on next to a cliff face, so he hits the cliff face, and he swings down to it. He specifically swings down to it. It's not like a zip line or anything. He just, like, grabs and jumps off, and he's on... He starts off, when he's looking out it, he's on the same level as the building. And somehow he swings a thousand yards and pendulums, like, at the end of the the bottom of the pendulum arc, he, like, bounces back up or he never falls down. It's weird. The har- the wire poon, I'm going to say it right because it makes me laugh. The wire poon has the same properties as Spider-Man's webs in the yes. 90s cartoon where he shoots them at nothing and somehow gets where he's going. And everyone's like, well, he's hitting helicopters. I'm like, no, he's not because he's not going fast enough. <laughs> well, he's not being dragged by a machine. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, Dr. Fate is once referred to as repelling forces instead of absorbing energy. Uh, Green Lantern asks the Lantern for help. Like, he talks to the Lantern. Yeah, he's spoken to it before. It spoke to him. In the very beginning, right? And then did it ever happen again? I feel like it might have. That didn't phase me. Okay. Alright. I mean, maybe that's just because I'm used to Green Lantern speaking to their rings and them responding. So, to the ring would make more sense to me. Like, but he goes to the Lantern. Yeah, the Lantern's a battery. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Well, in this version, it's different but yeah also my favorite bit of artistic inconsistency there is a house the inside of which is i think eight different colors and two different textures when you compare panel to panel to panel to panel to panel (laughs) one room like it's very clearly one large room and it just changes again and again you never heard of accent walls actually no i accent walls are uh, hey oh interesting hgtv <laughs> yeah, you, you do uh, a slightly different color to accentuate the rest of the color choice. Occasionally, part. yeah, and also just to break oh. up the uh, the monotony inside the room. Also, sometimes people paint uh, colors, uh, varying shades of uh, color inside of rooms or on on sides of houses, where the light strikes it, so the Ooh, color yeah, um, yeah. never changes. Like if the sun is hitting a certain color, it will wash it out and make it more white. So you mm-hmm. make it darker so that it actually looks the same color as the side of your house that isn't being hit by the sun um that's a thing that people do uh don't know Fair if they still do that but uh nice hgtv fair enough in general this a lot of the writing and artistic uh, decisions in here feel like they were rushed and not double checked actually the art it feels like what they were doing was they drew as they were reading the script instead of reading ahead and drawing appropriately mm. uh but yeah one other bit. Oh, the Johnny, the bit in the Johnny Thunder story where he's trying to tell, uh, what's her face, darling? Uh, no, seriously, go away. These guys are armed thugs. They're <laughs> going to try to come kill your your uh, father. Yeah. Uh, for the record, I'm a big believer in what I call conversational safe words. 
just tell your friends if you have a key phrase that literally just means take me seriously right now. Uh, this is really important to me. Like just that. No, seriously, I'm telling you this matters. Please listen to me right now. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, and I have one last thing. I have a New York World's Fair story. Okay. I have a New York World's Fair f- story from 1853. That's uh, a good vintage. <laughs> uh, I'd forgotten that they actually had the World's Fair there uh, previously, apparently. Uh, elevators had been around for a long time, but the risk was always that they'd break and fall. Uh, Elisha Otis apparently was the one who invented and demonstrated at the fair a safety arrest where if you th- had the switch, it would automatically it would stop the platform if it started going too fast downwards. So he actually had, like, he set himself up on a platform a ways up, had someone cut a rope, and in front of everybody there, it fell and automatically stopped. So what that tells me, first, that's why you see Otis-branded elevators. Hmm. Elisha Otis. It's his company. And B, we've had more than 150 years of auto-stopping elevators, and we still have the trope that if you cut the cable, it will fall. We've had 150 years to assimilate this as a culture, and we still think that if you cut the cables, the elevator will fall and crash to the bottom. That's like if large segments of the population still misunderstood or disbelieved electromagnetism. Or, downer ending, evolution. I mean, when you say it like that, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's the thing. Eh, yeah. It, it surprises me that it hasn't become like a mini-cause celeb uh, that percolates through uh, the industry. Yeah. But yeah, one way or another. So... We are not big fans of the Justice Society, but occasionally we laugh, and quite frankly, Johnny Thunder carries this stable. Guess what? You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get rid of him because uh, he's in the Black Canary book. Yes, uh, and in- Black Canary is introduced in his story, apparently, which mm-hmm. is bad mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. You started reading that. Oh and I yeah, to do that. Oh yeah, Shannon's not happy. Um, <laughs> oh. She's gonna be joining us when we record that episode uh, to talk about it, and uh, it's. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a thing. Should we should we skip it? No, no, we really shouldn't because so we'll, we'll Johnny like... Thunder's cooler. <laughs> oh. And I also need you to see Peachy Pet. So we're probably gonna do like one episode, probably just cover it and mainly move because on with yeah, our lives. the Golden Age Black Canary volume also immediately at one point jumps to the '60s. So once we oh, do shit. that volume, we're done. Fuck. And then like we're because that's mm-hmm. I'm okay with jumping okay. around occasionally. Like we jumped around like jumping to Black Canary. We're gonna go from 19 like 41, 43 is kind of mm-hmm. where we're at right now. We're gonna go I, to 47, 41. But like we've gotten to 43 mm-hmm. and like Flash, and, yeah, and whatever. We're going to go to 47, so we're going to skip, like, four years. Like, so we're going to jump around a little bit in this Golden Age era just to cover the characters as they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to... I'm not having us jump, like, decades. Because that just... You start losing a frame of reference, I feel. And, mm-hmm. like, having to go back and be like, remember, this is, like, 20 years later, so, like, you might actually end up having, I don't know, Hal Jordan as Green Lantern instead of Alan Scott. And that might be a little weird for a second. Because um, then we'd have to go, like, this is who Hal Jordan is. And that's why this is important, and that's not Alan Scott, in case you're fucking confused, because you're gonna be, because you're gonna be, because I think the only thing that, I think the first thing that we're gonna cover once we get out of the Golden Age is the Justice League story where they become aware of Earth 2, 
just so that we can connect mm. everything and then we start over. I just need to be mm. like, okay, this is okay, this is where we're at. Now everybody knows how we made this transition. This is a new world. Until we get there, prepare for the Black Canary and Johnny Thunder in the weirdest duo comic I've ever seen. Um, yeah, get ready for that shit. It's gonna be weird. Uh, I think we're we're good. That's all I got. Uh, check out the Twitter, the Twitch, the Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if you don't, I'm, I won't know. I literally can't know. Like, I, there's no way I don't have any way of noticing that or seeing your analytics. But uh, you know, I'm but gonna we'll trust miss you. you. I'm gonna trust you, which could be a bad decision. But I trust elevators not to break and kill me. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> and apparently, your trust was not misplaced. Yeah, I mean, like that was like the best trust I've ever had with like a mechanical object. Is just like I, I like that you further qualified things. Yeah, I mean, oh. like I, I trust my barber. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. We soldiered through their bad jokes and worse storytelling. At least Johnny was good for a laugh, showing up at the Justice Society table with a sheepish grin, even after the night he'd had. The kid was in love with the idea of being a superhero, and the joy was infectious. We didn't have any new cases after we left the meeting. It might be worth following him for a while.